So I spent the last couple of days in the sequoias, which are, well, it's like an area in America, but it's also got very tall trees, huge trees, big, very tall. I went inside of a tree, looked up, saw what it would have been like to live in a tree. It was amazing. Um, there were boulders, there was creeks, there was tiny chipmunks that didn't have bushy tails, but very like straight tails. I'd never seen that before. I saw a yellow-bellied marmot, thought that was just what the cowboy guy from those cartoons just yelled at people, but apparently they're creatures. Didn't see any bears. It was beautiful. And I remember we were walking and we were looking at them all. And I forget which one of the, uh, the little children who were with me. Um, I mean, we went with a bunch of couples. It wasn't just me and a bunch of children. I always mess that up. Um, <laughs> they looked and they're like, Pastor Trevor, what's it all for? And I was like, oh, what do I say? Because I, as you know, enjoy planet Earth. And I was like, oh, well, I could tell them about oxygen. Plants and trees make oxygen and they produce like Weather, I remember things. I could have said like, oh, it's so we can take pictures. I took this great picture of me and the roots of tree. I'm going to save it for when Game of Thrones comes back on a press like Bran who, I'm the three-eyed raven. Um, I could have said how we can cut down these big trees and make a home, but I thought that would be inappropriate since it was in like a preserve. I thought like, oh, well, maybe God just thought it would be really cool to have, you know, really tall trees. You know, they can survive fires. I was going to get all these facts. It's a home for the creatures. At the end, it was like very hard to know what to say and hard to answer the question, like, what is it all for? Because the trees, they can, they can do many things, they're responsible for many things. What is it supposed to say? This is the reason. Here we go. It's in this place. This is what it does. I, I didn't know. I don't even remember what I said. It's probably something really important. But I do know this. Being a Christian, being a Christian is what you and I were created for. There is no doubt about that. Being a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, is what we were created for. And the life of faith that we have been called and brought into has now this support of an entire creation, right? All of creation waits in eager expectation for God to come back to bring his glory. And in the meantime of that waiting, us and creation have the commanding and authoritative resource of a magnificent redemption for us in Jesus Christ. And as we looked at the psalm last week, we learned that God built the house. He's building us. He's building our lives, right? The, the structure of the world was created by God so that we can confidently and purposely live as his children. And that's not just some fact that we came up with, right? Time and time again, we can look back and see as God, how, as God has created and entered into history, most notably in Jesus Christ. But we can also see it in our own lives, right? When he entered into our lives, either through baptism, through his word, through, through communion, through however which way he brought each and every one of us in, he has displayed his love, helped us to be able to live a life that is full of faith, full of joy. And purpose, and reason, they make the foundation for our lives, right? And it's, it's funny to think because God could have been good with just giving us purpose, he could have just said, day one, I made this. Day two, I made this. Here we go. Everything is now made. It's good. But then day seven came, and on day seven, he rested, right? God rested, so we need to, too. And before we go back home and have our afternoon rest or nap, as Garrett likes to call it, I wonder if we could stop and look at just one word today, one word in our text and one word that we see throughout all of Scripture, and that is the word of blessed, blessing, bless, however you want to say it. It occurs throughout our verse today, so we're going to look at it because really the Bible is just one long exposition of God's blessing. 
In Genesis, God didn't just stop after he made, but having created all of completion, creating all of creation, mankind, male and female, he blessed them. Doesn't rest, call it quits, but he actively and continually blesses them. We see it for Adam and Eve. We see it for Abraham as he calls him out and says, I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing to all nations. Each of the 12 tribes of Israel get a unique and special blessing. David is described in the scriptures as someone who is richer in blessing than any other Israelite. Peter, as he confesses that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus says, blessed are you. There's a long series of blessing. And it's not without sorrow, not without sadness, but wherever God's blessing is, there is always this brimming of life, of fullness. It's why in John chapter 2, the very first miracle he does is to turn that water into wine. It, It symbolizes that what is going to happen in this ministry is a blessing beyond anything you could have ever imagined or expected. So it's no wonder that he gets up on the Sermon of the Mount and he starts with eight crazy things and how you're blessed because of them. These key qualities in the life of a person of faith is going to be blessed saying that the clear way of discipleship is not going to decrease your life. It's not going to subtract it. It's not going to make you weak. Even though when you read those blessings, you're like, well, what's so great about being meek? What's so great about mourning? What's so great about being persecuted? But rather by Jesus and by Jesus's blessing, our capacities, our lives will be expanded and filled up so that we will overflow with joy. We see it in Genesis all the way through, and then you get to Revelation. Now, Revelation, that's that scary book, right, with the fearful end times, the crazy bugs with the wings and dragons who are going to eat us. When we look at Revelation, it really is a thunderous book of hope. It really is a book of hope and a book of blessing. In fact, seven times throughout that entire book or that letter, There are these huge interludes of blessings in chapter 1, 14, 16, 19, 20, 22. And then throughout that book, you see three different times the totality of destruction happening. One through six happen. The world is going in chaos, whether it's politically, economically, uh, the nature in itself. And then something happens between six and seven. Stops and points to you that God, in the midst of all of this destruction, still preserves and blesses his people. Three times John shows you so that you would be sure that you would know that no matter what happens, God blesses, God preserves. From beginning to end, we stand in the blessing of Jesus Christ. And it is not some blessing that is external. It's not some temporary short-lived thing. It's not a matter of having a good day or taking a sip of, uh, of Felix Felicius and getting everything going our way. It's not that. It is comprehensive. It has one guy, Johannes Peterson, states, an inner strength of the soul. The action of God does not fall outside of us, but at the very center of the soul, giving us energy. And this blessing compromises the power to live, to live in the deepest and most comprehensive sense. Blessing is a vital power without which no living being can exist. And the blessing of the Lord fills and surrounds the person who is on the way of faith, of discipleship. 
And that way is in tune with what God has done and will continue to do as we walk this well-traveled road of discipleship together. Now let's get one thing clear. Blessing doesn't mean happiness, and it certainly doesn't mean easy street or now we can sit back and do nothing because we're blessed. That was a little raise of the roof. Do you guys remember that? No? Okay. Well, what happens is you get excited and you raise the roof. We were singing, so will I. I saw three of you. I can't believe you guys would tell me that you don't know what raising the roof was. I saw you raising the roof, sir. Don't look behind you. You did it. Now, blessing does mean, however, joy. Blessing means joy in Christ and the promises that we have. And blessing does mean hope. Hope for a future, hope that we're never going to be outside of his presence. It means mercy for our sins, and blessing certainly means love, unconditional love, and love as a verb. So let's jump into our text now. It's there in front of you. I'll read it here. Perhaps, magically, it'll appear on the screens. You never know what's going to happen. But here's the first one. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. Now, we walk in fear. Not like a not scary farm. Uh, we, don't, we walk not in fear. Sorry, I read that wrong. Did you see that? I said that wrong. Let me say it again. We don't walk in fear like a Knott's Berry Farm scary fear, not scary farm thing. Have you been there? It's scary. We don't do a walk that way. We walk in awe of God. And that word obedience there, it really is translated better as listen and respond appropriately. So it really should say, blessed are all those who fear the Lord, who walk and listen, who walk by listening and responding appropriately to him. Now, if you're thinking, sir, that's just semantics, I don't agree with that, that makes no difference. I'd have to say maybe you're wrong. Because we don't walk listening and responding to God because we are afraid of his wrath, but rather we walk because he has blessed us. And not only has he blessed us, but he's also prepared a road for us. We are created to be blessed and to walk in this way. And it can't be done without Him. And there's going to be times where we get lost, we take a wrong turn, and we do what we did at the beginning of the service. Stop, confess, close your eyes, and remember. Go back, find yourself in prayer, in worship, in community, in His Word. And remember that that blessing encompasses the whole life. People like David and Peter and Mary Magdalene, the focus isn't ever on just their sin or just on the great work that they did. The focus is on the fact that they returned to the Lord, returned to the one who blesses and creates and redeems. And the next couple of verses show, and I love this, how how the blessing of God encompasses past, present, and future. Let's look at the next verse. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. This isn't to be read as some either or, right? Okay, so if I'm reading this correctly, if I do bad, bad things will happen. Or if I do good, good things will happen. Or isn't it kind of saying Jesus loves me and no matter what, it's all going to go good for me? Which is it? It's obvious, isn't it? It's both. Paul wrote to the Galatians and said it this way, of course your actions matter. You reap what you sow. God can't be mocked. If you you plant selfish seeds, 
you ignore others and you ignore God, all you're going to get is a life and a harvest of weeds. But you were created to be more, to plant more, to help carry the burdens of others, to take responsibility for your life, for your actions, and above all, to remember, never grow weary in doing good. Never give hope. Never stop surrendering. Never stop trusting. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. That's a promise. That's not just wishful thinking. And can't you see that in your own life? The blessings of God when you have walked with Him. The pain when you have walked apart from Him. Mercy that He has given you in times when He should have given you wrath. A situation that was horrible and horrendous, but now that you have come through it, you look back and you see His hand upon you the entire time. Your past was walked with Him. And your past was blessed by him. And then here's the promise in the present. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the one who fears the Lord. You know, last week we talked about what? God builds the house. And here's the result. Whoa, 3 to 44. I made an error when I was editing the slides. Anybody else catch that? I love looking for errors. Not, of course, in people, but on the screen. Here's the result, the manifestation of the blessing. Now look at that first one, a vine within. Now some people translate the Hebrew here as a vine along the side, along the side of the house. And I like that better. Let me tell you why. Because it is a reminder that the husband and wife are one. The vine does not grow below the house. The vine does not grow above the house, but alongside it to become one flesh. A blessing of God is companionship, is love. Now, if you don't have a spouse, please don't think, at least not even for one second, that you're not blessed. When these psalms were written, a Jewish man was to be married by the time he was 18 or there was something wrong. Families are a blessing, but they aren't the only blessing. None of us walk alone. It isn't just spouses who come alongside us. It's friends, it's family, it's strangers. How's this time and time again, verse after verse, the Lord is by my side. Presence alongside is a blessing, the blessing of presence, of sitting with you. No matter what's going on. Advice, solicitor, unsolicited, help, all of that is good, but presence The blessing of presence is huge. And so it goes on to make sure you know that. Look at the verse about children, olive shoots, a strong plant, a plant that is planted in order, something that's going to come and succeed us like children, bearing fruit like we as disciples of Jesus have done, now they will do. The picture here is of relationships again. Relationships that run deep and firm that those around us, that, that those God has given to us. We must tend to those relationships, must trust that they will grow 
and that they will be blessed. Blessed by God and blessed by us. It's a both. The focus is being in intimacy. We always see intimacy when it comes to God and the table. God with us now in the present. God with us in the past. And God will be with us in the future. Look at the next verse, right? Don't, go, don't change the screen. Verse 44 here. Yes, this will be the blessing. He goes before us. Our whole life is in his hands. God is not making up our life as, he, as we go along. He has a plan, a purpose, a blessing. Now this plan is not always rainbows and butterflies, but the plan is always for his glory. And the plan always ends with him because the house, the life is built for, cared for, and blessed by God. And then in this crazy way that only God can, he does this. Look at verses 5 and 6. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. Bless you from Zion, from the house of the Lord. The Lord takes his house and brings it to you. Specifically, the house made flesh. Jesus brings it down to you. And from the hill on a cross made of wood, the Lord blesses so that all the days of our life, we, his people, will see that prosperity, will experience that blessing, will no matter the situation, cry out, our God reigns. And we will see the gospel taken throughout the city of Orange and its surrounding towns to the very ends of the earth like Juarez or villages in Africa. We will see lives transformed regardless of young, old, foster, orphaned, addict, or people in recovery. From generation to generation, we will see the blessing of the Lord. And we will serve the Lord because the cycle of him bringing his house to us, him blessing us so that we can bring our house, his house to others. Blessed to be a blessing to others. We are his creation, created, formed, blessed, and sent.